Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm still Charnel. And I am still Amber. That's amazing. Isn't it's, it? It's been three minutes since our last recording. Yes, it so has. I'm, Nothing I'm, has changed. Right. I'm glad we have not changed. I did put on glasses to read my notes, though, if that uh helps. You look very sophisticated tonight. Blue, I look buggy, but that was nice of you. My blue light glasses can really make me look weird, but you're going to deal with some it. some of those. I like them. Yeah, they do help. Okay, we are keeping with our theme of unexplained. Mm-hmm. The case that I have today, I think, I don't think, I mean, I know it was heavily covered in 2009. I think for a lot of people, they're going to be like, maybe I heard about this. I'm not sure. But the reason that I included it in this week's theme is because she's actually a victim slash possible perpetrator of this. Her family firmly believes that she is innocent. Oh, And so, well, some of her family. So we'll get to it. There's a lot of, of unexplained things happening in this case, and it's not actually necessarily a murder case. It's just could oh. be a tragic accident. We're not sure. So let's let's wow. jump. Let's dive in, shall we? This really does sound unexplained. It quite it is. It very much is. And I'll give you some theories afterwards. There is a great HBO documentary called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. It's about an hour and fifty excuse me, an hour and a half long. I watched that I read Diane's autopsy reports. I have read numerous, numerous media coverage about it. And I'm just going to give you the meat of the story. And you can get on the internet and fall down many a rabbit holes of mm, theories okay. here if you want to. But I love me a good rabbit hole or two. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm just going to give you the events of what happened and then we'll kind of let you. It's not going to be a super long case because unfortunately the incident is what it is so you're giving us some short meat tonight i'm giving you (laughs) god dang it why is that always the case amber (laughs) sorry to disappoint you fans again (laughs) ah yes that was perfect it's it's a short meat kind of night. You know what? But you know what? It's mighty, though. I'm a hell of a cuddler, it's though, a- you guys. So I'm what I lack in meat, I make up for in tenderness. <laughs> I do it's like some tender short, meat. It's short, but it's bulky, and it's going to deliver. That's right. That's right. And I'm excited. So here we go. Oh. Let's talk about Diane Schuler, shall okay. we? Let's do it. Now, she was literally described by people. As the perfect mom with the perfect family. Mm. Just a normal PTO. Okay. Generous. We're talking like family woman. On the boards. Suburban the... mama. Okay. She's us. Oh. To yeah. the community. Yeah. Except I, mean, I don't volunteer for I don't the know PTO. what that I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was that the, the demon incubus or succubus coming out of you? Listen to our last episode if you don't yes. know what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So, put him back down. He's not allowed to yeah. join us for this podcast. He's, he's down, down boy. <laughs> <laughs> Diane's husband, Daniel. So, we've got Daniel and Diane Schuler. Mm-hmm. Literally said he would marry her again and tomorrow if he oh, could. Wow. So, he is standing by her through all of this. Yes, he 
is very much in love with her and very adamant that she is innocent. Danielle and Diane. Uh, no, Diane and Daniel. Not oh. Danielle. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> so we're talking Daniel and Diane. Yep. Schuler. Mm-hmm. Well, I bet that looks good on a Christmas card. It absolutely does. The two D's and the S. Oh, yeah. D&D Schuler. Uh-huh. Yep. Powerhouse mm-hmm. couple. The couple lived on Long Island. Uh, they had a five-year-old son, Brian, and a two-year-old daughter, Erin. The family also had a dog that often traveled with them. And on the weekend that we're going to talk about, the whole family and the dog went camping in Parksville, New York. They were at the Hunter Lake Campground. They also brought along their three nieces. Now, this would be Diane's brother's children. Okay. Emma, who was eight, Allison, who was seven, and Kate, who was five. So they have a whole family they, they, I'm group telling you, going on. She was described as the perfect mama. So she is completely okay with having All these two five year olds, a two year old, an eight, and a seven year old. I know. Thank her. you. Right, right, right. Brave, brave woman. And they were having, they had a great camping weekend together on, you know, as normal family. Mm-hmm. Memories. Now, at about 9.30 a.m. on July 26th, 2009, Diane and Daniel kiss each other goodbye. Now, they're in two different vehicles. They're going to go home. Can I just say, before we go on, I'm really tired of these camping trips in July gone wrong. We've had oh, good multiple. Point. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Not over Goodhart. Uh, it was the same time. You're just right. It, random it observation. Is. That's so true. This is, ju- yeah, you're absolutely right. Enjoy the rest of your camping trips this summer, folks. <laughs> Godspeed. That being said, We're enjoy in, the rest of your right. summers. We hope you have a fabulous vacation. <laughs> anyway, sorry to cut you off. So they are driving two different vehicles. Okay, Diane borrowed her brother's red minivan that she borrowed for the weekend because, you know, a hell of a lot of kids. Yeah. You need them. Yeah, mini- you gotta break out herd. the minivan. Mm-hmm. Daniel takes the family dog with the truck and supplies and whatnot and the camper. And they're both heading home. All right. They left it about separate times. I mean, you know, him just a little while after her. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, Daniel says the morning they woke up, everything was normal. They had some breakfast. Um, He had started to kind of get the campsite around about 7 a.m. He woke Diane up. She was fine. She was, you know, 9.30 a.m. She was completely fine and normal. Okay. When they said goodbye. Shortly after they leave each other, Diane and the children actually stopped at McDonald's for breakfast. So Love me an Egg McMuffin. Now, there's some confliction here because in the documentary, it is talked about about how they woke up at about 7 and had breakfast then, but then they did stop at McDonald's too. I see no problem here. <laughs> I mean, me neither. There's some people cool online who have really like pulled at threads here and I'm like, stop your nope, judging I, people. It's reasonable. I eat every two hours like an infant as well. Back off. I, I wouldn't dissect that at all. I'm like, two breakfasts? Check. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Perhaps It's a Tuesday one, for me. It's the, <laughs> it's the the last day of camping. Maybe their first breakfast was pretty late because they yeah. were out of supplies. I don't know, but I'm not judging the fact that they stopped at McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever eaten by 7, but I'm hungry by 9. Yeah, for sure. And this is actually, but this is like 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's practically, Say it's no brunch. More. That's it's, right. It's a different it's, uh, it lunch. Time. It's Yeah, it's the in-between meal. It's fine. You're absolutely right. So they ate at McDonald's for about 30 minutes, and the cashier recalled that Diane was completely co- coherent. 
seeming very normal. The only thing that was ever mentioned is that she was a little bit chatty, but that was Diane. Um, like somebody she, could describe me. I say the dumbest things to cashiers. Oh, me too. Like I say dumb things to people. Like today, I was I was buying a pillow and I had to say something. You to bought them. another pillow. <laughs> yeah, it's we can't get into it now, Amber. There's not enough podcast hours. But small backstory though, the last time we podcasted, um, I walk in and Charnel's holding like like six pillows, six that she pillows. just purchased. Yep. Yep. That's why I was like, another pillow? Yeah, the first six didn't work out. And I was just as awkward in the pillow aisle today as, you as were I last was time. last Monday. Yes, I taught, like, I feel like I have to talk to the person next to me. I, it's a problem. I don't need to. I mean, this is a journey for you, and you should share that. But I wanted to know, why is it so hard to pick out a pillow? And both people that I asked that question to, they don't know, but it was their third time in, too. Oh, so okay. I am See, not alone. alone. You guys are going to have search. a support group in the pillow I aisle. So. I think so. All I'm saying is my neck better not hurt tomorrow morning. Don't settle. Keep that. Keep fighting the good I fight, won't. and you find yourself the best pillow that you can. I, I may be broke, but, and hey, but you're going to have... But, <laughs> So I'm not many pillows. Have a neck ache in the morning. Also, if you're in the market for a pillow, email us <laughs> crimecurious at yahoo.com. She has got a deal for y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, I think from part of my brain, Beth, I'll tell the story about what happened with all the pillows. Oh, okay. Cool. So stay tuned. So here they are. You know, the, the cashier's like, ah, she was a little chatty, but she was completely she, yeah. fine. Okay. They get back on the road about 10.30 a.m. About 15 minutes later, Diane stops for gas. After filling up the car, she goes into the gas station and now, this was on CNBC.com, I believe. She actually asked for, like, gel cap pain relievers. She oh. asked the cashier. Sure, sure. They didn't carry any gel cap kind, so then she left. The gas station attendant, same thing as the McDonald's attendant. She was completely coherent. She was completely fine, besides asking for a little, some pain, over-the-counter pain relievers that they mm-hmm. didn't have. There is, there's security footage. You can watch it. It's readily available online. She is seemingly a normal individual walking into a gas station. There is no audio on the video, so you can't hear her, but we just had the, you know, the but you can tell she's kind of just talking normal. Yeah, normal. Everything mm-hmm. looks normal. It's almost eerie to watch her. Well, now I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after you find out what happens, you're like, when you watch that video, you're like, oh, wow. Like, how, what? So after she stops at the gas station, she gets on Route 17, and it's about 11 o'clock, and they begin driving south. 30 minutes later, Emma, the oldest of her niece, nieces, nieces. <laughs> <laughs> Her nieces. The oldest of her nieces. Her oldest niece makes a call to her father, Warren, which is Diane's brother. Okay. From Diane's phone. And she lets him know that they're kind of running into some traffic. They're going to be home a little bit later than expected. And Emma hands the phone to Diane. Diane talks to Warren. According to Warren, Diane doesn't say anything worrisome at all by all accounts Everything is fine and normal. Between 11.30 and 12, witnesses say that they saw was driving very aggressively. Diane was weaving in and out of cars, honking her horn, and flashing her headlights. What? Although she seemed to have a bit of road rage, Diane's movements during this time were very calculated. She was weaving, but she wasn't swerving, okay? She was being deliberate. She was, like, in and out of traffic, missing vehicles, Honking okay. everything. Interesting. All of a sudden, she's just All like. All of a sudden, between 11.30 and 12, 
Now, also during this time, there were witnesses that said they saw a woman next to a red minivan pulled over on the side of the road and she appeared to be vomiting. No one like stopped to ask if she was okay or whatever. I'm not going to lie. I've seen plenty of people on the side of the road vomiting on a Sunday Uh. morning. And I'm just like, yeah, Saturday night, hitting you hard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, been there. Right, exactly. A long time ago, Mm -hmm. but. Okay, three weeks ago is not a long time ago. I mean, whatevs. No. Days are long. Right, that's right. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't know if I'd want to stop if somebody's just sick. It's like, okay, yeah, she's just puking. It's fine. Right. At 12.08, Jackie, which is Warren's wife, mom of the three nieces, Mm -hmm. so her sister, Diane's sister-in-law, Calls Diane's cell phone. They talked for about two minutes. She notes nothing odd about Diane's response. Diane's responses at the time. She didn't mention being sick. She didn't seem angry, out of erratic, sorts, no, nothing. nothing. It was normal. Over the n- course of the next hour, there are more witnesses that say that the minivan was driving a rec- driving recklessly, and that they saw Diane vomiting on the side of the road. Wow. There are reports that there was a man, I couldn't catch his name. I don't actually know that he's, this was in newsday.com. He reported that he had been driving down the highway in the Slotesburg area when Diane began to tailgate him in the right lane. This is so crazy how she just became aggressive. Mm -hmm. She even apparently tried to pass him in the shoulder, which proved unsuccessful. In the shoulder of the road. She held down her horn for about a mile before he pulled off into a service area and she followed him. He reports that she drove over some grass and parked in the car in the designated parking area at the rest stop. So now she's come to a stop. Diane makes a 17-second phone call to a wrong number before reaching Jackie at her home number. So it's now 12.58 that Jackie reports Diane sounded out of it. This is the first, 1258 is the first time that a family member is hearing her be out Okay, of so this is the first time she's actually indicated right. something's mm-hmm. wrong or something's off. Yep, the call lasted about two and a half minutes and then the call failed. So Warren then calls Diane and they talk for about eight minutes. Now after going through the Tapian Z toll, Diane pulls over again. Emma gets on the phone with her father and says what has become, in this case, a really infamous line of, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane, which is the name of the documentary. Oh, wow. From HBO. She's able to spot a sign that says Terrytown slash Sleepy Hollow and reports to her parents their location. They tell them to stay put because they're coming. Like, okay, something's wrong with her here. We're going to come there. get you. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, after dialing many more wrong numbers in a short time, Diane leaves the phone on the side rail on the highway, gets back in the car, and begins driving again. Obviously, no one can get a hold of Diane now. Oh, no. Her phone is left literally on, the side of the on, road. A, on a railing on the side of the road. Okay. At this point, she's been driving the right way home. She's still going home. Uh-huh. And they did camp often. They camped at this campground often. So this route is pretty normal for her. But at this time, when she leaves the phone, she starts to go off course. A little after 1.30 p.m., Diane gets onto the Taconic Parkway at Pleasantville Road in Mount Pleasant, New York. Not only is this not the right way to go home, Uh but Diane is driving on the wrong side of the road. No, I was afraid you were going there. She drove onto an exit ramp. Oh, Diane, why? And she continued south in the northbound lane. She drives for approximately 1.7 miles. 
causing many cars to veer off course yeah. to avoid her. Oh my gosh, these poor kids were probably so scared. Yes. And not at this point in time, none of the children are in car seats or restraining oh, no. devices. At 1.35 p.m., Diane Schuler crashes head on into another car <gasps> that is carrying 81-year-old Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son Guy Bastardi, and their friend, 74-year-old Dan Longo. Oh my gosh. There were also two occupants of a tracker that were involved in this, and they only suffered minor injuries. Okay. The accident has happened. Oh, this is horrible. Children were ejected from the vehicle. Oh, no. No, 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 no. It's a horrific scene. I don't recommend you look up the crime scene photos because there's scenes of her body. Unless you're into that gory detail. No. Nope. Nope. There is pictures of her body everywhere. Um, oh, my God. Diane Not today, Satan. Mm-hmm. Not today. Don't you do this to me. So Diane's... Uh, so Diane's five-year-old niece, Kate, and her five-year-old son, Brian, were taken to area hospitals. Kate, unfortunately, died later that day. Brian is the only passenger of Schuler's vehicle to survive. I don't even know if I would want to be the survivor. Can right. you imagine? So he's he lived through this. He lived through this. Oh. All three of his cousins and his two-year-old little sister and his mother perished. Now... He had broken, Brian had broken bones and severe head trauma. He remained hospitalized. Um, this happened in July. He wasn't released home until early October. Wow. Yeah. Now, as I said, unfortunately, Diane, Emma, Allison, and Kate were all killed. They were not in their car seats. They were not wearing seatbelts. The passengers in the other car, Michael, Guy, and Dan, were also killed. This is just awful. It is. Drivers who witnessed the crash took action. They helped pull Diane and the children out of the car. They actually almost missed Brian because he was completely buried underneath the bodies of his cousins. Oh, my gosh. Because none of them were in you know, yeah. car seats or uh. anything like that. Diane's autopsy is readily available for anybody to read if you so choose. I did read it for the purposes of research. Also, I decided that I don't think that I want an autopsy done on me ever because... Diane was a robust woman. Uh-huh. And so in the autopsy they described her as well nourished. Oh. And pretty unremarkable. That's I was like uh, oh I f- I'm feeling that. That's probably gonna be oh. my description well, as well. Mine is going to say malnourished. <laughs> she might have been homeless. I don't know. Mine's gonna say enjoyed quarts of ice cream <laughs> on a Friday night. <laughs> Apparent right. when examined. There was two gallons of ice cream undigested in her stomach. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what yours might say. <laughs> so oh. what I was looking for in her autopsy, though, is, and you can, you can look online. There's all kinds of people that want to interpret things. But basically, it comes down to her cause of death was blunt force trauma of the body with multiple skull fractures, lacerations, and contusions of the internal organs. I did put it in the show notes, but there is some debate that you'll find amongst the people that they didn't test the 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 gray fluid that was found in her stomach that was undigested but they did Mm -hmm. i'll get to that in a minute two men who had witnessed the accident and the smoke rising out of the van ran to assist everyone pull them out okay Uh the scene was absolutely horrific you can listen to some of the 911 calls because they got multiple of them and they're pretty harrowing i mean to listen I to. I cannot even imagine. After removing Diane from the van, 
two men saw a large broken absolute vodka bottle by the driver's side. However, court documents actually say it was found in the trunk. So I don't know, guys. I'm not going to pretend to know. I do know that abs- there was an absolute, a broken absolute bottle. So was it from the vehicle? Or it, was they- in, it was in Diane's vehicle. They had been camping that uh-huh. weekend. So to me, that's not... That doesn't show that she was it had drinking been consumed it. Consumed then. Mm-hmm. Yep. The men tried to pull the girls out of the van, and they noted that they had no pulse. And because the children were not wearing seatbelts and had been thrown together. Now, on August fourth, a toxicology report was released by the Westchester County Medical Examiners, and it stated that Schuler had a blood alcohol content of zero point one nine percent, with approximately six grams of alcohol in her stomach that had not yet been absorbed into her blood. The legal BAC limit for driving while intoxicated in New, in New York is 0.08. So the, what, it was 0.19? Yeah, 0.19, over two times the legal limit. Wow. The report also said that Schuler had high levels of THC, which as, you, as a lot of us know is an active ingredient in marijuana in her system and could have possibly been smoked as recently as 15 minutes before the accident. What? Mm-hmm. Yes. On an August 8th press conference, Daniel Schuler and his attorney, Dominic Barbera, like the Flintstones. I love it. <laughs> do. <laughs> initially, initially denied that Diane did drugs or was drinking that weekend at the campground since several children were with them. Daniel then changed his story and consistently denied that his, uh, his wife ever, quote, drank to excess or could have been drunk while driving that day. He has done interviews with Larry King, with Oprah, okay, they both asked Daniel about the vodka in the van, and he claimed that they always kept an old bottle in their camper. He said that Diane did all the packing for the camping trip, and she must have moved the bottle into the van. Why but did he they wasn't keep the aware bottle? of it. What was the reason? The vodka, it was, it was a broken bottle. Like, it still had vodka in it. It was a broken bottle. But, like, they just were like, yeah, we, you know, we had vodka. I mean, not going to lie. If you go look under my sink, you're going to find Captain Morgan and some Tito's. Like, noted. I don't write. <laughs> Now you know where to find it. <laughs> okay, and, so they just, like, had it, but they never yeah, used it. Yeah, that's what he's or, saying. Yep, okay. we had an old bottle in the camper, and she must have moved it into the van. She was the one doing all the packing and unpacking of the camper and, okay. lo- you know, loading stuff. So now he did eventually admit that he and his wife had been drinking during the camping trip, but denied that Diane had anything to drink on the day of the crash or even the day before the crash. Okay, mm-hmm. the campground co-owner, who knew the Schulers really well because they camped there often, saw them at approximately 9 a.m., and he said Diane absolutely appeared sober, just like the gas station employee and just like the uh, McDonald's employee that had talked to her. She was sober. I believe it's the McDonald's employee that was like, I talked to her for quite some time. Look, I promise you this woman was not drunk at all. Wow. Like, I know she was not drunk. She had asked for pain reliever, uh-huh. you know, from the gas station. And, oh, I'm sorry. It was, I retract that. It was the gas station employee that was like, absolutely not. I spoke to her. She was not drunk at all. Mm-hmm. And she was not slurring anything. She was just asking for pain reliever. I mean, if she would have downed a bottle of vodka, they definitely would have smelled it. You would think, and that's the other thing. No one smelled anything on her. Her husband kissed her. Nothing. According to Tom Ruskin, a private investigator that was hired by Daniel for $30,000 after all of this, none of the McDonald's employees saw anything in Diane's behavior to suggest that she was intoxicated. And she was, it was seen carrying on an extended conversation while ordering 
the food and orange juice. Okay, so she's got McDonald's carbs. She's got orange juice in her system. Uh-huh. The private investigator, Ruskin, because Daniel, like I said at the beginning of this case, Daniel is adamant that his wife was not a drug addict, was not a closet alcoholic, did not drink to excess, was a really good mom. So that's why he hired the private investigator. I would say he fully believes that if he paid $30,000 for an attorney. Yeah, for the private investigator. Or, yeah, for the private investigator. Because he did not want, I mean, basically, this was pretty cut and dry. There's her toxicology report. This is a tragic accident by a drunk driver that killed her three nieces and her daughter. And Daniel is, like, not having it. He's like, absolutely not. He doesn't want her to be remembered as that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want Brian's mother, Brian, who's still alive, to be remembered like that. This is just baffling. Right. So Ruskin had told reporters in September that he had interviewed relatives, none of whom had ever seen her in a drunken state. He also pointed to autopsy results that showed an absence of organ damage found by alcoholics, although an uninvolved medical examiner said that such results do not rule out alcoholism. You can be an alcoholic without your internal organs showing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Diane's relatives have also disputed that Diane was known to drink heavily or irresponsibly. So there's some confliction here where Daniel is saying no. And the Ruskin private investigator is saying, I interviewed relatives and they told me they've not seen her in a drunken state. Some other relatives have said, have disputed that and said, no, we have seen her drink and we have seen her act irresponsibly. Oh, okay. So... Got a little conflicting info here. Mm -hmm. Yep. Daniel denied that his wife did drugs, but told investigators that his wife smoked marijuana occasionally and that the fam and the family told People magazine that she used it to relieve insomnia. Pretty common. That's not sure. Okay. Did she have any mental health diagnosis? No. No, she did not. The only thing that she had that was like the defense here was that she had gestational diabetes, but as we know, Gestational diabetes is only temporary when you're pregnant. It goes away when a woman is no longer pregnant. And she wasn't that pregnant. That is the only no, she was not pregnant. That was the only, you know, remarkable thing about her health other than you will hear it said time and time again that she was obese. Uh-huh. I wouldn't call her morbidly obese. I mean, I'm sure in the medical field they probably would, but well uh, nourished you know, is how they explained right. it. She the, She's robust. Daniel was actually an officer in the public security unit of the Nassau County Police Department, but he didn't have to, he wasn't required to report his wife's drug use as he was actually a civilian. So he, there was some disputing of like, weren't, I'm sorry, you just admitted you that, you know, you're, there's drug activity in the home and whatnot. Well, his actual job where he was at, he was considered a civilian, so he didn't have to do that. Okay. In November, it was reported that Diane's sister-in-law had made a statement to police that she actually smoked marijuana on a regular basis. She knew Diane was a regular marijuana smoker, which if you're doing it to relieve insomnia, yeah, it probably is a regular basis. Yeah. Okay. So it's like there's kind of two stories going on here. Like, yes, she maybe did drink and smoke a little more than... Right. Yes. Than even she realized. Uh Mm Mm-hmm. So Daniel and his attorney firmly believe that Diane Schuler was driving erratically due to a medical itch issue such as a stroke. According to his lawyer, uh, Mr. Barba, 
I'm sorry, Mr. Barbera. Diane was obese for much of her life and suffered from diabetes. And like I told you, other additional sources said she actually had gestational diabetes and that's temporary. So nice try, Mr. Lawyer Man. Mm -hmm. All right. But what's worth mentioning is that Diane at the time had an abscess that had persisted in her mouth for seven weeks before her death and a lump in her leg about which she, she said it might have been an embolism. So the results of an autopsy conducted by the Westchester Medical County uh, examiner one one day after the accident found that Diane had not suffered a stroke, an aneurysm, or a heart attack. So they're like, okay, no, the lump in her leg did not was not, you know, anything to do. She didn't wasn't having an embolism. Like that's not what this is. In September. New York's top forensic pathologist said that a hair test should have been done to determine Diane's drug history, since that's what's being called into question. Okay. And Daniel and his lawyer, Mr. Barbera, announced plans to exhume the body to perform the hair test and other examinations. Their experts said that this was unlikely unlikely to produce any new information since tests from, from two separate labs came up with exactly the same conclusion. I was going to so, say hair follicle tests don't typically no. hold up for court purposes either. I mean, you could do one, but I don't know that it's reliable enough to count on for a sure answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, and Daniel also intended to retest the fluid samples taken from the autopsy. The Westchester County Medical Examiner's Office, um, which performed the initial autopsy, said that the the degradation of the fluids over time would likely result in lower alcohol and THC readings. However, several toxicology experts said that the results should be similar to the previous test if the fluid samples had been properly stored. On November 7th, Ruskin announced, that's the private investigator, that the Schuler family had raised the money to retest Diane's tissue samples and that the retesting would take place soon. In July 2010, it was reported that Daniel had accepted a $100,000 offer from a film company, Moxie Firecracker Films, to record his wife's ex- um, exhumate, ex- how do you say that, exhumation? Uh, Exhuming. Yep. yep. Sure. Exhuming That's his it. body, her body, for the HBO documentary. And they do show her in the documentary, FYI. Oh, wow. Being it, exhumed mm-hmm. from her resting place? Yep. And the money would reportedly be reportedly be placed in a trust for Brian. So Daniel, continuing to dispute his wife's intoxication and drug use, was condemned by the relatives of the three of his three nieces. Why is that? Were they just kind of like let it be, let yes. it rest? Yes, and I think I think that they knew things about Diane that Daniel just wasn't oh. willing to accept. Okay, so maybe there was some denial on his part? Yes. Slightly. And you'll read a lot about that online of people saying, listen, my husband was an alcohol. This is not me saying it. I was actually reading a thread and a woman was like, okay, listen, my husband was an alcoholic for 25 years and I had no idea until he literally died and we didn't know why he died. And they did an autopsy and told me he had been an alcoholic for at least 35 years. That is so crazy for me she to I had no idea. He was comprehend. a complete functioning alcoholic and hit it well like it can happen I mean you and I it have can. worked with functioning alcoholics frequently I was gonna say so we, I we know that I don't see how it could fully happen that long but 
you know what? Mm-hmm. People if you see what they want to see. Yeah, if you right. didn't know what to look for, you right. may not. And know. if you're hiding it, you get good at hiding it. You do? <laughs> yes. When Daniel appeared on CNN's Larry King Live to demand more testing of his wife's remains, the remember the three victims in the other vehicle? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the brothers, Longo's brother, Joseph, issued a statement saying, in part, I want Daniel Schuler to know that he keeps inflicting more pain on all concerned once again by going to the media to try to paint a picture of a perfect wife and mother. You know, I have to say that I really strongly see that side. It's like yes. he's just keeping this alive and fresh for everybody, yep. you know, the the families that lost loved ones yep. and his son even. Yes. I mean Yeah, I, I can't imagine I, like living with him if he won't let it go. Yeah, you know, I get it that I mean it, uh, he obviously is looking for an answer here because he doesn't want to believe and who knows. I mean, we don't know what happened, right. but like my gosh, yeah. it Think about everybody involved here. And I agree with that statement a, a lot. I can see how that how it feels that way. And Bastardi's daughters appeared with their lawyers on NBC Today, the Today Show, where they questioned Daniel's culpability in enabling his wife's substance abuse and called for him to undergo drug testing himself. This is a quote from them. It makes me angry that he keeps denying it, said Margaret Nicotina, which is Bastardi's daughter. Every time he does it, he brings it back for us. I just wish that he would just admit that she was drunk. Maybe if he knows what happened that morning, if they argued or something, that would be the truth. He wants the truth. So do we. Their lawyer called Daniel's position totally outrageous, an insult to the intelligence of the American public, and a hoax. The private investigator Ruskin went on the Oprah Winfrey show in October 2009 and said that Daniel had avoided media appearances since Larry King Live out of respect to the Bastardi family. So in June 2010, the New York State Police police issued a final report on the accident following 11 months of analysis. The report upheld the previous toxicology findings that Diane Schuler was highly intoxicated and had high levels of THC in her system at the time of the accident. Let's talk about the legal action a little bit. According to the Westchester County Medical Examiner, Examiner, the crash was ruled a homicide soon after it occurred because the victims were killed due to Diane Schuler's negligent driving, uh-huh. regardless of the toxicology findings. Yeah. Like, yeah. She was She's negligent still, in driving. She you know, was on these, the wrong mm-hmm. side of the, yep. the road. And on August 18th, Westchester County District Attorney Janet, I always I struggle, I was struggling to read it earlier. DeFiori said that no charges would be filed in the incident because Schuler was the only person responsible for the deaths. Quote, Diane Schuler died in the crash and the charges died with her. End quote. I mean, she's right, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. In October 2009, DeFiori faced accusations from both Dan, and, which was a Republic challenger for her office, Dan Shore, and the Bastardi family attorney that she had mishandled the Schuler case by neglecting to initiate a grand jury, jury investigation into the crash. In response to Shore's comments, DeFiori responded, quote, if he is suggesting that there was criminal evidence of a crime committed by someone and we wouldn't pursue it, that's just silly. And she won the re-election in November of that year. Okay. Um, I mean, I get both sides of it, but I mean, essentially she was a, she was responsible for the deaths and she's dead. Right. Exactly. There was nothing like, else to really dig into. And, and basically she's like, I'm sorry, Republican challenger. Are you <laughs> saying that there's evidence of a crime by someone who's still alive? Right. And I'm not pursuing it? 
that's insulting. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, but the case died with Diane. You know, like, what more would they? Mm-hmm. I mean, other than her husband, her late husband wanting the answers and desperately right. seeking them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know that she killed these people. Yep. Now, following a request from the Bastardi family that an administrator be appointed to Diane's estate so that a lawsuit could be filed, Diane uh, or Daniel, excuse me, officially declined the role in November 2009, leaving it to a county court judge to appoint a public administrator. In December 10th, the Bastardi family filed suit against Diane and her brother Warren Hence, seeking unspecified damages for wanton, willful, and reckless conduct. According to the family's lawyers, they were required by state law to include Warren Hans in the suit because he was the owner of the van. So her brother was in, who's a survivor. You know, I mean, it was just, it was his van. Uh-huh. I don't think it went anywhere. But in July 2011, Jackie Hans, who lost her three daughters in this accident, filed a suit against Daniel, her brother-in-law. The suit claimed that the three deceased Hans girls suffered terror, fear of impending death, extreme horror, fright, and mental anguish. On July 26, 2011, the day after the premiere of the HBO documentary and the second anniversary of the crash, Daniel sued the state for not keeping the road safe and his brother and, and his brother-in-law Warren Hance as the owner of the minivan that Diane was driving. In 2014, all lawsuits by the parties were either settled or dropped. Okay, I was going to say, this is a lot. Like, I'm Everybody's sorry. Everybody's suing, suing everyone. You're suing your brother-in-law for being the owner of the minivan? That, is, that one is so extreme to me. It's like, okay, are we just looking to get money out of this? Or right. is, it, is this the way you grieve? But, like, okay, it's his van. He had nothing to do with no. the driving. No, and, and he told her to stay put, and he would come and get them. Yeah. And she didn't. Yeah. So, okay. In August 2009, um, New York Governor David Patterson proposed the Child Passenger Protection Act, which would make it a felony to drive while intoxicated if a passenger under the age of 16 is in a vehicle. And the proposal became known as uh, Leandra's Law following the October 2009 death of an 11-year-old Leandra Rosado, a passenger in a vehicle whose driver was drunk. So it was officially signed into New York law November 18th, 2009. There's been a lot of media coverage on this. You guys can can find it out there. I mean, Dr. Phil, Law and Order did an episode, all kind, the HBO documentary. The documentary suggests that Diane Schuler could have been suffering from severe pain caused by an abscessed tooth during the drive home, causing her to look for painkillers at the gas station and, upon failing to find any, self-medicating with drugs and alcohol. The pain of the abscess combined with the vodka and marijuana could have put her in a temporary state of delirium that triggered her fatal behavior. In the documentary, Daniel and his lawyer claim that they gave Ruskin $30,000 to conduct an independent investigation and to retest samples. Throughout the documentary, Daniel and Jay Schuler, Diane's sister-in-law, and her name is Jay, but that's that's a woman. I was thinking, I mm-hmm. was wondering. Claim that Ruskin was not returning their phone calls for nine months, which is the private investigator. At the end of the documentary, Ruskin states that the um, that he had called Jay months previously with the results and that she refused to pick up her phone. She is seen claiming that she was told not to pick up and that she didn't understand any of it. Ruskin then informs her that his test did collaborate the previous tests. Okay, so like his tests of the samples were the same as the initial ones. Okay. She was highly intoxicated from alcohol and marijuana. 
and unfortunately, Schuler's family persisted to refuse and accept the results. Jackie Hance wrote a book called I'll See You Again, in which the tragedy is revisited, focusing on her initial grief and later her moving on, because she's the mom of the three girls. Yeah. There is also a foundation that Jackie and Warren Hance formed a foundation called the Hance Family Foundation, whose main purpose is to honor the lives of their three daughters, according to Wikipedia, I had to look that up, by ensuring healthy, happy, and safe children through innovative self-esteem educational programming. There was another... This is like... I'm just so... I have so many different things that have gone through my head, like, well, it could be this, well, it could be this. There's another theory that's a pretty common, like a big one that's floating around there, that she was possibly suffering from a condition called auto-brewery syndrome. It's rare, but it's real. And basically, the patient's body produces an unusually high amount of yeast in the gut. Combined with an intake of carbohydrates, McDonald's, McDonald's. large amounts of alcohol are actually brewed in the stomach. The person can become very drunk very suddenly without any consumption of alcohol. And So you like physically become your own brewery right and it can it can happen it's rare but your body can do that and just all of a sudden bam it hits you and there's the other theory of maybe the marijuana was in her system still from it's still the morning you know well the crash happened at about 135 but did she did she have some to help her sleep late in the night and it was still in her system you and i both know that drug testing correlations that way so many things that go into testing it does and the way people metabolize their bodies with the way that their bodies metabolize it is can be different so it's habitual it'll stay in longer so was it old like an old trace was yeah there's so many things yep so that those some of the theories a lot of people are just like this is very sad for daniel because he couldn't accept that his wife was possibly a closet alcoholic uh-huh and she just had taken it too far it i i do maybe back the the thought that maybe she did self-medicate because her abscess tooth was bothering her so the, or the abscess in her mouth excuse me it sounds like what was bothering she her did, so much it sounds like it was after Stopping at the stores. I mean, who's to say she didn't take that vodka or whatever and mm-hmm. throw back after they had stopped a couple of places because yep, cause she it got crazy get, after that. It did. So like it's she, like she couldn't, you know, she was trying to ease the pain. I don't know. There are some other theories that, you know what, maybe she was depressed and it was a suicide. It was I, a murder suicide. I was honestly leaning toward some kind of, that's why I asked if she had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Did we have a psychotic break? Did we have something? Right. I mean, mental health issues can be very funky. And yep. did and she just n- decide, like, you know what? I'm I'm done. I'm going to drink this. Right. I, I'm, I lean more towards that she was actually drinking than the, uh, the medical thing. But I don't know. I agree. You know? I, I, I do, too. But there are other theories out there. And he maintains, I, I imagine it's very painful, too, to fathom that your wife had done oh, that and sure. killed your nieces and your daughter. For sure. That's a, a strong state of denial to be in to feel more secure. And I I, I have empathy for the guy. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, but for, I do too. A lot too. of people are really mad at him. Like, see, this is why she was able to do it because you enable her so much. Well, I don't, grief grief does funny things to us. It does. And, and they could be right. Very, very much so. But obviously this is how he is handling mm-hmm. his grief does Mm -hmm. he need help probably but you know i do feel bad for him he wants answers he wants that like peace that she didn't actually do this on purpose and And you know what i would too oh my gosh me too i would too i get it but 
Yeah, so that that's that. That's unexplainable. Unexplainable. As yes. the theme this week. Yep, of like how and like why. Okay, even if she was an alcoholic, as you and I know, she may have been a functioning alcoholic. Functioning alcoholics don't do that. Do you say that because that's what we are? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I know you and I both have worked with them. Uh-huh. And, and a, a functioning alcoholic is somebody who goes to work, goes to work, pays all their case bills. Case of beer at night, but I Absolutely. make it to work in the morning. I once worked with a man. He was a lovely individual, but he drank a fifth of vodka every day. Get up at 4 a.m. for work, drink his vodka like we would drink his, our coffee. And he Dang. was off to the races for the day. And you would never know. That's hardcore. Yeah, it, it is. happens. Absolutely. And guess what? We didn't. I, I had to prove that he was a danger to his children. You can't when he's under the eyes of the law, when he's functioning. He's mm. not allowed to drive them, and he didn't drive them. They walked to school. He made appropriate re- arrangements. He was a functioning alcoholic. He wasn't yep. violent. He wasn't angry. Anything. He just drank. So who's to say that she wasn't like that? Doing he the just same didn't thing. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so many directions this could go. This is when I would be compelled to look up like okay i want to see all these theories out oh, there oh yeah get on reddit.com <laughs> they're crazy all over that. there so let me give you some brain bath oh, material here yeah bathe me please this one's kind of unexplained it kind of goes along with her because oh, i'm like with the theme wow wow but at the same time i've seen my kids do some stupid stuff so maybe maybe this was on thoughtcatalog.com and <laughs> the title is now that's what i call stupid in my junior year of high school I have a junior, so I'm picturing my my nearly (laughs) 16-year-old doing this. This guy asked me on a date. He rented a Redbox movie and made a pizza. Aw. I know. Sweet. We were watching the movie, and the oven beeped, so the pizza's done. He looked me dead in the eye and said, this is the worst part. (laughs) (laughs) I then watched this boy open the oven and pull out the pizza with his bare (gasps) hands. No. Rack and all. Oh my God! Why screaming at the top of his lungs? We why we never had a second date. What? Someone so, tell this man about hot pads. I was just gonna say, oven please, mitt, someone get this man an oven mitt. Oven mitt. Did his mother never tell him? I mean, where are the parents that are paying the bills for this oven and pizza? Did they just? Forget to teach him this vital skill of like, hey, when it's hot, we put the mitt on. Listen. Or else it gets the burn again. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It puts the mitt on the hand. And how has he been treating his burns up to this point and his parents didn't notice and ask questions? I have a lot of follow-up interviewing I'd like to do about this. This is the worst part. Oh, my God. That's your... This is the worst part. I love that he was willing to make her a he pizza. Still made the pizza. Like, or he's just trying to be a, like a dumb show offy kid, and then didn't realize how bad it would hurt. That, cr- that crossed my mind too. Like he was being but, so like he was just being a show off or something. But at the same token, I got a four slice toaster not too long ago and watched every one of my children struggle to know how to use it. So. Mm. So you it know, happens. Right. I'm like, I'm going to entrust you in a motor vehicle and you don't even realize that you put toast in those two slots and then push that lever down that's closest to it. Really, people? Wow. Kids. Kids. So that's unexplainable as well. Right. It's so fitting. Right. Also, I told you I'd tell you the, p- the pillow story. This oh. is also unexplainable. Yes. Okay. I won't mention the store, mm-hmm. but I'm, I've am i got my, I think it was four pillows at least. 
I'm I am a petite like individual. Horny. Yes, you are. I'm holding. I didn't get a cart because I thought I was going for a pillow. I'm picturing you like buried in the pillows. Yeah, yeah. I'm walking, and for some reason, I don't have anywhere to be. But I'm booking it like I'm about to give birth. Oh, I always do. Okay, I don't know why that is, but I'm minding my own pillow business, walking, and I take a corner out of that pillow aisle real tight, just as a robust man. Mm is also hightailing it. He had somewhere to be, was coming down the main aisle. We met. He bounced right off of my four pillows and landed on his butt. Pillows went everywhere. I made a very weird and awkward noise and was just like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he goes, what was that? Pillows? Yes, Were you shamefully like, yes, 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 it was. A 98-pound woman just knocked your ass down in the middle of a major with store's her pillows. aisle with pillows because of the bounce of the pillows and the force of how fast we were both walking. Oh, do I wish I could have seen this. I, I'm tempted. I know the store manager, and I kind of want to see it on the security mm, footage. That would be because really Because I feel fun. like he got some... Some air before he fell. I mean, that poor gentleman just La- went. You launched him. I this did. robust and man. It, like, you know the sound on cartoons where it's like, boom? Oh, yes. Like, yeah. that had to have, that noise happened in my head. I bet you'll find that on the camera. <laughs> it's like, right. boom. I feel like I'm going to end up in a viral video someday and no you know, I'm just going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be watching TikTok and be like, that's me. I hope that I that's how that you man. leave your mark on the world. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Not our. But not our podcast. Not the podcast. It's going to be knocking down a robust man twice my size. With pillows. With pillows. That's... With four pillows. Two of which were small travel pillows, by the way. It wasn't even four gigantic pillows. Oh, that's pillows. even better. No. I was just... The other two pillows were very... They were king size. So they're very large, and I'm carrying the little ones on the outside of those. So Okay. So still, uh, you've got your hands full. I did. <laughs> he just bam. But it was so funny when he was like... Was that pillows? As they're scattered around him, the poor man had some M and M's in one hand and some—I think it was a book or something—in the other. I'm picking. He's his like, stuff I'm just up. trying to practice my self care here, and this woman <laughs> is running into me with pillows. Me down. <laughs> and then I extended my hand like I was going to be able to help him up. Give me—I love that. That's my favorite part. Like, here, <laughs> sir. Let me help let you. Let me give you a hand. He was like. No, no, I'd like to save some dignity. I will get up <laughs> I'll myself. I'll take it from here. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, I'm yep. so glad you shared that story. Yeah, so that that was me and my pillow story. But anyway, all right, well, we hope that you enjoyed the brain bath to help you get through the rest yes. of the ick. And, um, you know, keep listening. Keep Please curious. keep listening. Yeah. Email us. Talk to us on social media. We love it. We love hearing from you guys and your perspective on the cases. Um, email case t- suggestions suggestions to crimecurious at yahoo.com and uh, leave us a review to be entered into our basket giveaway at the end of the month. And look out for that picture of the basket. I know we've put little sneak peeks Teasers. on. Mm-hmm. It's coming soon. The big reveal is coming. Is soon. That's right. So. It's going to be so exciting. All right. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.